Welcome to the next episode of Splitting Cases, an episode that I hold quite dearly to my heart already and I haven't heard what anyone's going to say. It is an episode featuring two very special guests. Usually it's one, but today it's two because they have an equal stake in their love of Rocky Horror. Pointy. Well, I'll introduce one of our guests and I'll uh, hand back over to, to Moose to introduce the other. But first of all, we have the lovely, the fantastic, nothing cutesy, sitting next to me, drinking a lovely Coca-Cola while we're drinking uh, something <laughs> slightly stronger. Teetotaler as usual. Nothing cutesy. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you, Pointy? Yeah. You just cooked us a lovely dinner, which was fantastic. I really appreciate it. No problems. I need to do something while you guys are podcasting. It's a hard life. Yes, and we were podcasting with someone who you will have heard from, the Village People vs. Spice Girls podcast, and it is uh, not to ruin the magic, but all done on the same night, purely because this man has a lot to say. And, yes, nothing cutesy cooked us an excellent dinner in the oh, middle. Yeah. Excellent dinner. Yeah. May I introduce... She is dressed spectacular. That's a beautiful dress. Thank you. She is a beautiful woman in a beautiful dress. Maynard... You are neither of those things tonight, but you are wearing an excellent fez. Maynard, welcome again. It's great to be here. Maynard.com.au. And I was in Wills and Doll Baby last week, so I have, I have been around some good dresses lately. Fantastic. <laughs> I don't even know who to throw to for this subject opener. But oh, I think cutesy because uh, she's a bit mouthy on this subject. Right. I, 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 a bit I, I, mouthy on this subject, <laughs> no, no, very no, appropriate. No, no, mouthy in a good way. Yeah, no. appropriate. Yeah, and he's going to be dressing up as one of the characters That's from this true. movie shortly. So yeah, Though I'm kick- glad it was you who said she was mouthy. I don't think that would have gone down so well with me. Well, you know, it's a, it's a different set of jaws. And what's on the front cover of that is a mouth. That's think, true. Yeah. Very true. Nothing cutesy. What's our subject? The Rocky Horror Picture Show. And why is this one of your favourites? Because you were... On uh, the previous Disney podcast, something far removed, I guess, from Rocky Horror. Why Rocky Horror? I think you've perfectly encapsulated the two different sides of my personality in Disney and Rocky Horror. Um, Disney obviously representing the, the lighter side, the more innocent side of me, and Rocky Horror definitely representing the darker side yeah, of me. Can I ask you a question, Ree, the Disney side of you? Is there a uh, successful Disney move? Uh, is there a successful Disney move? Disney! <laughs> It's like Disney business. That's exactly, because that's, what's, well, in, that's, that's right. what's going on in my head. Is there a successful Disney film that actually has a functioning family without one member being dead? Most Disney films have one of the parents being killed, if not both. Bambi. Because it's all about kids. Yeah. And kids being empowered. But, yeah, so but that so doesn't mean you have to always kill off one of the parents. That does not have one of the parents. Oh, I, I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not disputing I, I'm, that. I'm, I'm just, but I, I did I'm, read something recently about the whole point of it is kind of from their oh, perspective. Oh, Sleeping Beauty. Get rid of the parents. Bam. So it's hmm. about the kids. Sleeping Beauty. Tangled. Tangled. Both parents are alive in Tangled. But, but in both of them, they're estranged from their parents because of some kind of magical curse thing. Um, does that count? Uh, Mm, I don't. I, I guess it kind of does. Ooh. Anyway, but, but, Ooh. The, but then again, that's a plot device to get the kill, kids the independence. Mm. When but the Lion again, King starts, both parents are alive. Yeah, but one of the parents is killed halfway through. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that's, We're not making spoiler alert. No, that's that's not a good example. That's like saying, well, at the beginning of Bambi, everything's just fine. Um. Oh <laughs> shit. Uh, Princess and the Frog, which is no, recent. Look, Tiana's. Look, look. Oh, oh. 
Hercules has four parents. Yeah. Yes. That makes up for the other movies. Okay, yes. right. Yeah, I was obviously just it being all an idiot. out overall. <laughs> That's fair enough. Then. There is clearly no pattern since one movie on the many no, has. You're right, though. That's that's an exception. I did have to think for a while so to get to that point. That is not something I've thought of before. Hmm. Oh, look, it comes up in a few of the conspiracy podcasts quite a lot. Interesting. As, as saying that Disney, Disney's, Disney's not as family honor, uh, orientated as you would think. I've got to say, though, that's fairly progressive. Like, they, they're vouching for single-parent families here. No, no, but it's not about single families. It's about the kids being isolated by themselves. So all the stories about the kids being empowered so the kids relate to the movie. Well, yeah, also about them forming their own families that, you know... I mean, Simba as a runs away. Old, that's clearly what you want. Well, yeah, clearly. Simba runs away and he makes his own family with Timon and Pumbaa, and they become part of his family when he's reunited with his blood family towards the end, you but know? This is like a baffling thing. I'm thinking Aladdin, like, he doesn't even have parents, and then Jasmine only has her dad, and. I've obviously opened up Let's put this on ice, shall we? Yeah, look, <laughs> in the first musical fucking song, okay, if you don't count the like the the traditional song at the start, in "Do You Want to Build a Snowman," There's Elsa and Anna's parents die on the sea. Well, this has gone to a dark place yes, already. Quickly, Maybe we need to get quickly, back onto the quickly cutesy. Get us back onto our. Let's go to a light and fluffy place. Rocky Horror. Now I feel silly saying that Disney was on the light and fluffy side of me. Well, Maybe... no, I don't feel silly at all because Disney comparatively is still light and fluffy to Rocky Horror. Okay, fair enough. Let's start at the very beginning with this. When did you get into Rocky Horror, Well, Kitty? okay. So I introduced myself to Rocky Horror at a very early age. I'm not quite sure how the story went. All I know is that I got a hold of the soundtrack that my mum had on a cassette tape. And I used to go through all my parents' cassette tapes and just listen to them all, which is how I got into everything from the Beatles to Pink Floyd to the Rolling Stones. And how old were you when you got into the soundtrack tunes. to Rocky Horror? I was in primary school. So I was... Probably eight, nine, ten, and loved musicals, and clearly just went, yeah, these songs are awesome. And so it got to the point where my mom was just like, oh well, I guess we should let her watch the movie now. She she knows all the words to all of the songs. So it was definitely sound before the vision. Yeah, and it took me until mid high school to realise what half the songs were about. But comparatively, watching it, having known the soundtrack, thoughts. I don't think I watched it as a movie. I think I watched it more the way I watched Grease growing up, you know. A collection of songs. A collection of songs exactly joined together by scenes. It's been mentioned in previous podcasts that the the first million times that I watched Rocky Horror, my uncle turned it off after the wedding scene. (laughs) So I pretty much thought of Rocky Horror as Damn It, Janet, the musical. Look, your uncle's got a point there because my favourite song in the entire show is unfortunately Damn It, Janet. So my my favourite song comes up really early. What I like about that is... It's outdoors choreography, which mm. doesn't happen in the show. Mm. Um, uh, the whole cast is used. I love the fact the wedding chapel's turning into a funeral chapel yep. as, as the song is being done. Um, and I just love the sound. I just, it just there's something. There's the huge, large scope of that song. I like that. Oh, that I mean, while there are better songs uh, sung in the movie, and while there are deeper themes explored, I guess it's it's more of a, of a fun kind of pop one. I mm. guess you know. Yeah. It is a fun pop one. It's a great song. But do you? 
remember when you first saw that and what your thoughts were about it? I knew you'd ask me this and I can tell you exactly. <laughs> Good job. Let's take a little journey in Maynard world. Ooh. Let's go to the Hunter Theatre, which fell down during the Newcastle earthquake. Oh. It was at the junction. It's opposite where the pizza parlour is there at the corner of... Uh, yep. Yep, opposite the oh, yep. pizza place. Yep. Uh, uh, that used to be a theatre. And they would have a double feature every Sunday and probably sometime in the early 80s, uh, 81, 82, I went along to see this thing called the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Science fiction double feature? And I wasn't near this person, so I only heard about this third hand later. But apparently there was some crazy guy in the movie cinema who was throwing toast and throwing rice and doing all this and no one knew what he was doing or why he was doing it. So, <laughs> so imagine how pissed off you would be if you were just in a normal cinema and someone was doing this and you didn't know why they were doing it. Wow. And there was only one of those people and that guy was sitting nowhere near me and I heard about this later and I thought, what fuck with What He was ruining everyone's movie. What was this all about? It wasn't till sometime later, probably, I don't know, I don't know when, I, when they were having the midnight showings at in George Street in Sydney, that I knew that this was a thing. I did not know this was a thing for a while. There was no internet. I couldn't look it up and find out why <laughs> anyone was throwing toast, as you would now. You'd yeah, look it up on Instagram. Just be some crazy guy. <laughs> yeah, know? and it was just sort of some crazy guy doing something. Yeah, and so those, those, then in the early eighties, it was it was known for, as something here. And I remember seeing the movie and thinking it was pretty wild. I remember at the time finding the whole pool scene a bit laborious and long and I still do I don't like that really? I, 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 like I, 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 I don't dislike the songs it's just that once we get to that stage show bit I, I, I kind of like a bit of edit I'd like it to be a bit shorter it does slow down a bit I can yeah it, it slows yeah. down a bit the, the, the whole plots because it just turns into a, a musical within a musical like a Shakespearean mm. kind of thing going yeah. on there, yeah. uh, and the other thing that I remember when I saw it was uh, man there's, there's some sexual imagery in this going oh yeah yeah and I remember uh, and and also I uh, one thing that I've been seeing the stage show since is that Brad's version of Touch It, Touch Me that he does. It's a bit like a New York, New York, which is only mm. in the stage version. Yeah, yeah. That is a great song, and mm. it's a pity that they had to cut that from the film. Yeah. And Susan Sarandon got sick. Um, yeah. She had a horrible... Because the first thing they shot was There's a Light over at the Frankenstein's place with all the rain, yeah. and she got sick, and she was miserable for the whole thing. Still, oh. you wouldn't know from looking at it. So she was pretty sick the whole time. She was really bad with the flu from, mm. from being... Because that even though they used warm water for the rain and they had all the wet weather gear on underneath and, and, and uh, wetsuits and stuff like that, she still caught a really bad cold from it because wow. they were doing it for hours at night in the dark, yeah. Oh, you couldn't tell. She's brilliant in that movie, despite the fact she never really embraced that movie. That's um, possibly why. That's she possibly why. You can't have great yeah. memories after yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you had Barry Boswick there, the mayor from Spin City. The mayor from Spin City. That, that's actually one of the things that Moose narrates when there's scenes where Brad's thinking, especially um, at the wedding scene when he's thinking just before the wedding party leave and he's about to propose to Janet. One of Moose's favourite voiceovers is, hmm, maybe I should star in Sin City. Sin City? Spin City. Maybe I should be the mayor. I had, I had a little City. Robert Rodriguez moment going on. It's very true. Yeah. We've all had a few of those. Uh, before we continue, Pointy. Yeah, Pointy. When was the first time you saw this movie and did you have much to do with it? I don't think I watched the whole movie from the definition of the whole movie being from start to finish um, until it was Nothing Cutesy's birthday. Uh, maybe... Four, five years ago, four years ago. This is this is our fourth year. Yeah, this yeah, is so becoming so a tradition. Yeah. It's our fourth year that on uh, October thirty first, around nothing cutesy's birthday, that we have seen Rocky Horror screening. 
Yeah, so I I hadn't watched the whole movie, but I'd certainly been around it a whole lot. And for the same reason as uh, Spice World, I guess, is that my sister was very much into it, so the songs sort of seeped in anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, I didn't particularly go my way to watch it, but I was aware of what it was. Wasn't sure if I really got it, but I really did enjoy, like, going to see it with you guys the first time. Yeah. And then on each repeat viewing, I think it gives more. Like, I think it's one of those movies that the first time you watch it and you go, okay, I enjoyed that, I get it. But then every time you watch it, you sort of pick up something different. You go, oh, okay, I didn't oh, yeah. really catch that before, yeah. but now I, now oh, I do. I think it took me, oh, gosh, it's got to have been at least 10 years of watching it before I realised, A, that Rocky was made with half of Riff Raff's and half of Eddie's brains, and B, they were eating Eddie yeah. at the table. It took me so long to put those pieces together, and I'd been watching it multiple times a year. And I interviewed little Nell, and I got a grab from that coming up later, and I said to her... What is the go with you all looking so horrified when he pulls the... uh, And she said, no one had told them what was underneath that tablecloth. And I said, but multiple takes, you would have seen it. She said, no, one take. So where where that tablecloth is pulled off and they've got the dummy of Eddie Eddie there, they didn't know that was there. And so that's a genuine reaction and they managed to get it on the first go. Oh, wow. Which is why you can see, I think if you look at... uh, Rocky, he's got a half a laughing face as he pulls back. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, so she claims it was a little nil, it was a genuine surprise. Wow. I do love, though, that everyone starts to kind of question what they're eating at some point, and um, <laughs> Rocky's just sitting there, nom, 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 <laughs> away the whole time. Just get, he, he doesn't and, care, he doesn't that's know. That's a tender subject. Yes. Mm. And I, I love all the Tim Curry's lines to the camera. There's great lines to the camera. And there's even yes. one where he throws the drink in the camera. That's yeah. always really good too, yeah. Oh, there's so many times when it, when it slightly does break the fourth wall, but, mm. God, it's it seems like a really advanced movie for its time. Oh, and, of course, there's a Bunga Bunga Maynard connection here because my host of Bunga Bunga, Tim Ferguson, he was Frankenfurter in the production of it as well. And he said that it's interesting cross-dressing like that much, as you have to do for the role. He said uh, he was wearing heels around a lot to get used to it. And he said it really made girls jealous because it makes he, your, your hips swing about like guys' hips don't normally do. No. Yeah. And I remember there was a, this girl I was seeing... And she really wanted me to dress up in some Rocky Horror gear once. Yeah. If you know what I mean. And uh, yeah. and she was a regular at the Rocky Horror thing and she had the thing about it. I think it's inspired a lot of people to cross-dress. But really, my legs aren't that great. Tim Ferguson's are much better. <laughs> <laughs> because you shave my legs, they don't look great. They don't look good. Well, that's the thing about uh, Tim Curry in this production. Yeah, he's he, fantastic. He's yeah. a tall, leggy bloke. Like... There's very like he was he was obviously playing that character on stage for a very long time, but there's very few people who could have pulled that off at the time in that movie. Just he's also also that combination between the masculine and the feminine that he has. Yeah, that he pulls off the heels and the hair and the makeup, but at the same time looks so masculine Muscle, while yep. doing yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, completely. And I was just looking, I was commenting. We rewatched it not long ago. But he's he's just got such a character-filled, interesting face as well, and quite a large face as well with all that makeup on it. It's just quite a large, round, long face, very ex- full of expression. And little Nell reminded me that 
herself and everyone who was involved with the original movie and Richard O'Brien has got very much a pittance compared to how much Fox, and it's a Fox movie, yep. has made from this movie. Mm. Uh, and she said, unlike regular blockbusters like Titanic where everyone sees it and then brrr, it has tails off, this movie just keeps selling and selling and selling and coming back and selling. And, and the, the, I think Lord Lou Grade, I think, was one of the people who put up money for Fox. Mm. In, in, yeah. And they just they have made so much money off it compared to what the people who wrote it and performed in it did. Surely, That's the Rich, usual thing. Surely, like, Richard O'Brien must be making a fair amount from it, though. Like, in, uh, it depends on... It depends movie. on... Yeah. Even the stage show more than the movie. Yeah. It, yes, it, yes, you're very right. It's royalties from the stage show mm. because this was... I think this would have been his first movie, so mm. he didn't have a lot of power to create a great deal. So if he had residuals, they would not have been good ones. Mm. And surely no expectation that it was going to become what it was. Oh, well, no, and, and this is what little Nell said. She said that suddenly, you know, it came out and it kind of did okay and went away, and then suddenly they get reports from Midwest America that people were acting out stuff, and no-one's really quite sure how it started. Right? I've never heard a good story. And then suddenly it went to New York, and then once it turned up in the movie Fame, mm. then it really kicked off. Yeah. Hold on a sec. What do you mean Rocky Horror turning up in Fame? They go to a Rocky Horror screening in Fame. Really? Yes. yes. And because they're performing arts students, they end up getting up. Because it, it, in a lot of Rocky Horror screenings, not the ones we'd go to here in Newcastle yeah. or Sydney. And, and before there was a show called Glee, there was a movie called Fame. Fame. True. Um, yeah, so the, the people actually get up and act it out in front of the screen. So as things are going on on the screen, they're up acting it out. And in the movie Fame, they go along to see it as, you know, Rocky Horror virgins and then end up getting up and dancing around with them. Whether I'm wrong or right here, I feel like Fergie's going to have a field day. Is Fame the movie that Sherry oh Halliwell was taking off in the It's no, Raining Men sweetie, film clip? Flash Dance. Flash Dance. Okay. I've seen neither film. Same decade. I mean, basically, one's about some struggling artists and the other one's about a girl who's a welder by day and she wants to be a dancer by night. That sounds more That's like a, a movie I would have come up with. <laughs> yeah. Look, Ilya, I'm sure during the industrial days of the BHP here in Newcastle, <laughs> that happened all the time. The Wait, place was littered with dancers. Like that? Tap dogs? Tap yes, that's dogs. Steel yeah, City, yeah. whatever it was point. called. Yep. And nobody ever filmed a movie with dogs tap dancing. Oh, I would have been there. I, I, I have been a tap dance teacher. In my former life, oh, and I would gonna, not. Are you about to call kids dogs? No, I would not want to teach dogs how to tap dance. Four feet, you guys. I had to teach children with two feet, and that was hard enough. Also, dogs aren't the most coordinated of dancers. I mean, cute. pigs are much better. Yes. Um, I, was, I was about to say there might have been a tap dancing dog in Rocco's Modern Life, but I'm, I I'm love like, Rocco's Modern Life. I love that show. I love the next door neighbour. He's so mean. It was a, it was a great show. Excellent yep. show. Yeah. Just I'll throw that in there. Yeah, no, that's it's fine. Uh, can I just say I really like uh, 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 Carissa explains it all. That was a great one too. I've never seen that. Carissa. I've never seen that. It's oh, Melissa Joan Hart. Melissa Joan Hart's Joan first Hart. show, and oh. it was it was quite. It was a Nickelodeon show, very adventurous for its time, and you can see we're all Anna, Anna Anaconda and all those ones just came after it there. Yeah. And you know, yeah, basically it breaks the fourth wall continuously, but very st- look. And now we're straying from it, but it's a bit Rocky Horror. Now, I don't know about you, any parents out there, but if I had a teenage girl who had a ladder into her bedroom so her boy could, a, a friend who, who was a boy, could just come and visit any time without warning, except with a guitar sting, um, uh, that would be a bit alarming to me. I don't know. Burn that fucking ladder. And I, oh, I don't know. How, well, I don't know. Maybe some girls would like that. But, you know, I, just, I, I always found that a bit odd. I mean, she could be, you know, having a pee or something and suddenly, this, yeah, you know, it could be very <laughs> inconvenient. Yeah. 
It's interesting how Rocky Horror did kind of permeate culture in general, though, moving back to the subject yeah, of the podcast. Looked, yeah, because as you can tell, there's a lot of pent-up stuff about Clarissa Explains It All. I, <laughs> I basically haven't worked through. <laughs> I, I do always find it funny when you're the one that's trying to bring this back on track. Because yeah. as has been mentioned in previous podcasts, I am quite often the one ramming this thing into the ground. So I thought I'd pass the baton. Yeah, yeah look, and did I mention I'm wearing a fez? You are wearing a fez. You entered the house wearing a fez. We have photographic evidence of the fez. That's it right. delighted me you're wearing the fez. I have worn the fez tonight. Well, look, I, I might throw something out. You mentioned that you first experienced the soundtrack of the Rocky Horror Picture Show on cassette. Yes. Which, so unless it had Dolby or not, there would have been a pssst going on. Did you, was it on a Walkman? No, it would have been on a, a tape player in my bedroom. My sister and I each had these tiny little... Boombox things. I had a white one, and I think hers might have been purple. It was a ladder, so a guy could just come into your room at any time. Absolutely not. My parents yeah. were way too strict. It was hard enough for me to get there. God I know damn. he wasn't allowed in my bedroom. We started dating, and we were both over twenty-one. Ah. Um, no, but it it wasn't even on a an official copy. It was a dubbed copy that ah. she taped off somebody else's ah. record. Well, let me remember. ask you a question. When you first listened to it on CD, and this happened to me when I listened to the remastered CD, mm. that remastered fantastic. What was one thing you noticed about the music on almost every single track? It jumped, it jumped out at me like um, testicles on an uncircumcised cat. I'm not sure. Hang on, I mix my metaphors there, but don't worry. <laughs> what a reference. <laughs> I, 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 That's the episode title. Testicles <laughs> on an uncircumcised cat. I've really got it. Because yeah, I was, was so with, young. Yeah, was there something? And wow, I hadn't heard that before. See, still, when I watch the movie on DVD now, there are things in the soundtrack that I just go, whoa, where did that come from? Like, even just little hidden instruments and stuff because okay. I couldn't hear them well, on my tape version. I'm not sure I should say this because it's one of those things like once you know and do you it, hear do it, it, you can't go for it. it. Is it like in Star Wars when the Stormtrooper hits his head? It's like once you've seen that... Oh, I can't watch that scene again. But I think she's heard enough times okay. to have had her glory days of hearing that sound. Yeah. Okay, not so much the regular CD, but if you listen to the remastered CD... Which I have. Okay. Meatloaf's backing vocals in every single track are piercing. Once you hear Meatloaf's voice, he's in every single song. You're right, I'm never going to hear that the same way again. Yeah, just let his voice just cuts through. Not that there's anything wrong, wrong with that. He's got a great voice. He's a yeah. fantastic singer. Well, he was back then. Yeah, uh, and, and, and it, it's there. It's there. He's doing the backing vocals. In, it's like Eddie's singing in the back of every single track. Wow. And that's that's what I hear whenever I'm hearing it. I, hey, he's always... Because you know he just, just doesn't do backing vocals. He's so unique. Yeah. I reckon that's a fantastic kind of link back to the show because in the show, the same actor that plays Eddie ends up playing Dr. Scott. So because they couldn't do that in the movie because clearly mm. you needed separate actors and Meatloaf is Meatloaf, that's kind of fantastic that he does end up kind of sneaking into an extra role in the movie in the form of these ghostly backing vocals. Mm. I kind yeah. of like that. Yeah, well, it, it's, it's certainly the case. So I just thought I'd sort of mention that there. And uh... No, I'm going to go have to go and listen to that now. Mm. Um, and... I was at the 21st anniversary, I think it was, at, at Planet Hollywood, I think, and it was while the the show was on uh, with Craig McLaughlin, mm. the Craig McLaughlin version, and my and friend... And my friend, and he's, redoing redoing he's redoing yeah. that next year. Yeah, yeah, well, he's pretty damn good in it. And uh, Glenn Butcher, who, of course, I worked with as Lance Norton in the Castanet Club, mm. he played that role for years as, as Brad there. And that's probably part of the reason why I like Brad's song, because it's a song that Glenn would do mm. up there and half the audience would be going, well, oh, and people would be going to the bar and that sort of thing, you know, because people don't know that song because yeah. it's not in the movie. Yeah. yeah, No, no, it's a fantastic song. We went and saw it 
gosh, I'm going to say five or six years ago with Iota when in the Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the first time I'd seen the stage show, and I'd been hanging out to see the stage show for years. And my mum almost took me when I was a teenager, but my cousin <laughs> talked her out of it because she'd been to see it and she was significantly older. That was than my me. whole problem with Jurassic Park. My dad was ready to take me, and my mum said, Probably a bit too scary for him. Oh, my nan said to my mum, it's probably a bit too scary for him. Well, where the pterodactyl opens the door with a doorknob, that's terrifying. That is terrifying. I don't care. If if Tim Curry had to come out in that outfit, that, uh, yeah. Mm. Man, anyway, Tim Curry in Jurassic Park. That'd mm. be a show. <laughs> I think it must have been a Craig McLaughlin version that mum was this close to taking me to go and see, and my cousin talked her out of it. So I didn't get to see it as a stage show till the iota. Um, stage show and I was just so over the moon to hear all these songs that I'd heard about but had never seen performed on stage so for me that was like bonus features Mm. look is it okay if we drop in the Little Nell interview here just to give us a bit of background everything this was at a special screening that Little Nell I I interviewed her for half an hour in front of the audience before the show we had gave away best costume and one of the people who won one of the best costumes was someone who came as not a member of the cast but as part of the set, someone won who was, they came as the fucking castle, as Frankenfurter's castle. I just thought that is just fantastic. Yes. Here's one thing I want to know. Yep. Did they also have a cardboard cut out of themselves in front of themselves and then take off in front of themselves, um, like the castle does in the movie? They had a section of it that lifted up, yes. yes. It wasn't exactly yes. like the movie, because as the person pointed out, they go, well, at the end of the movie, there's just the castle left with everybody, so why? That's, and I thought, that was fantastic. <laughs> so, so they actually got That's a prize, amazing. but I I spoke to Little Nell and I spoke to some of the people who were dressed up there and what they thought about the movie. You might going to be learning a few things. This is on maynard.com.au, but here's a special little bit for you, including some radio ads around at the time for the Rocky Horror Picture Show. The Rocky Horror Picture Show is a must for all of you. If you don't go and see it, I shall personally come around to your houses and drag you out by the scruff of the neck. I shall belt you around the mouth. And mouth you around the belt. Do you understand what I'm saying? See the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Rated R. Under 17. Not admitted without parent. It's pretty exciting here. We are here at a Rocky Horror Picture Show screening. We've got Little Nell and we've got the first people that turn up. And as we always know, the first people that turn up are the keenest. How huge a Rocky Horror fan are you and how was it introduced into your perverted life? As far as how huge of a fan I am, I actually have the window that Riff Raff sings out of tattooed on my middle finger. <laughs> you are not mucking around. No, I am not <laughs> messing around. And I think probably when I was about 13, two of my best friends showed it to me for the first time and every year after that, just fell in love, fell in love. You've seen all kinds of movies, but you've never seen anything like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. If I sound a bit excited, listeners, because I'm actually sitting next to uh, Nell Campbell. How are you? Excellent, thank you. (laughs) Columbia herself. What advice would you give to someone who is playing the role of Columbia in the Rocky Horror Show, either on stage or even being filmed? What is the essence of her? Oh, good time, gal. Don't even have to tap dance that well. Lots of arms. Keep smiling and enjoy yourself. (laughs) You take the famous tap dancing fall during the time warp. That wasn't in the play on stage. I don't know why he made that happen. I suppose that was that kind of... That could have been some 
strange. Jim Sharman must have, I don't know, <laughs> wanted me to look. I don't know, it's rather humiliating that I have to fall over. And if I think about it, I have no idea why I do. I think it's because I'm, uh, Columbia gets her moment and then blows it. Because she's always wanting to shine her personality within the household. Magenta and Riff Raff being siblings. She's sort of left out a bit, I suppose. Don't you think? She's more the, the human amongst the... Transylvanians, whatever. And I love the moment where you have the spray at Frank Conferter about how he's selfish and horrible. You have the oh huge. My, that uh, was my big dramatic scene. Can you imagine how how I prepared myself for that? This is like the only time I say much in the film. I remember it so well. Do you hear me? I loved you. And what did it get me? Yeah, I'll tell you, a big nothing. You're like a sponge. You take, 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 and drain others of their love and emotion. Yeah, well, I've had enough. And of course. Then I went and pulled my pyjama top down and out popped my nipple. I cannot believe that that happened. That was utterly unintentional. I don't even think I realised it had happened until I saw the film and didn't even see the film for got, uh, quite a while afterwards. All you do is take, take, take. Oh, hysterical. What is your favourite song in the film? I like the way you, you interact with Magenta in uh, Touch a Touch a Touch Me with your little chorus oh, singing yes. there. But is there, is there one you like? I was like my own Mickey Mouse ears and we were, we're sitting on the bed that was... That was the bed used for that baby doll. That's the little that little bed that we're sitting on was in baby doll, and they were my own Mickey Mouse ears from Disneyland. Well, little Nell. Oh, I love Little Nell so much. She, Columbia was my favourite character growing up. I think it's the tap dancing because I'm a tap dancer, but it was also the hair. Mm. And I thought it was interesting that she said that her tripping over wasn't in the original mm. stage show and that's put in there in the movie and now it's got to be done all the time on stage. Which is so funny because I have reenacted that scene over and over and over again, mm. and including the falling over. Mm. Uh, and also the theme of Rocky Horror is pretty much the same as Dead Poets Society. They have exactly the same theme. Carpe diem, which I believe is, is bad Latin for uh, don't dream it, be it. I think that's what that means in Latin. They execute it very differently, though. No, <laughs> look, there's, um, there's some dancing on the desk, if I remember, in Dead Poets Society, isn't there? I, is that the one with Captain My Captain? Have I got the right movie? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, so it's basically seize the day. And so that it's, Rocky's a bit like that about it. Yeah, no, don't dream Frank it, be it. My Frank and Furter. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 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 Mm. That, that's my kind of Dead Poet Society. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So there you go. So, 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 so there's a link between two you movies. so distraught. Mm. Oh, I, I, I have much lesser connection pretty much no connection to the Dead Poets Society but I do have a lot of connection to Rocky Horror purely because it's something that I'd seen the first five minutes of for uh, many 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 a time and at the same time they were playing the um, the, it must have been the remastered soundtrack edition of not because I could hear Meatloaf but it was because like the, the remix kind of mash up bit with different parts of the soundtrack in Time Warp. They did that kind of soundtrack single version that played at my primary school discos, yet I could only see... So is it like that end of Bat Dance and all this stuff just melds into one for you? And, and yeah. there also be the YMCA and the Nutbush as well would also yeah. be there. The YMCA, the Nutbush, Prince's 1989 Batman soundtrack and the the single version of the Time Warp. And the that, 
And the spy. No, no, was, I don't think the Spice Girls were playing at that time. I think I, at one school disco, I actually requested the crash test dummies. Mmm. And I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, man, that would have gone over. Man, that would have gone over so I well. You would have been peeling the chicks off. I really fucking wondered why he didn't play that song. And I now, as an adult, I understand. Mm. Oh, I always thought that guy was farting into the microphone. It was a really strange song. I, I thought it was appropriate to try and get them to play uh, drugs by ammonia <laughs> at my uh, U12 uh, thing, and it didn't go down well. Wow. <laughs> That's something we have in common. Uh, and I, for a long time, had a lot of trouble with the time warp because I had just heard it too much, and particularly when it was a hit the second time. I think um, you meant... I, I, I must thought, say that's a fantastic sentence. I had a lot of trouble with the time warp. I had a lot of problems with the time warp. I thought you meant the dance. I tinkered with that. <laughs> I've never been able fine. to get that arms crossed. What does he mean? A jump to the left? I got the calculations I wrong, right. but I worked. Step it out to the right. Well, look, I think you'll find that line in Back to the Future, three episodes of Doctor Who, and maybe in Jurassic Park as well, because um, it's, it's and in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Because I just heard it too much, and seeing it again after not hearing the song for a long time at the Little Nell thing, it was great to see it again. But it really does get overused and you see a lot of people really badly dressed up as Rocky Horror Dog. Oh, yeah. Mm. But the narrator, and I just really wish I had seen the production, the original Australian production. Which, He's got no fucking neck. Which which had Stuart Wagstaff as the narrator. Oh, really? Who is probably best known for doing Benson and Hedges ads in this country. Yes, and, and I, I spoke to him about it and somewhere there's an interview with all these people um, talking to him about it. And back then, see, the narrator's role in the live show has changed quite a bit because mm. back then you didn't heckle the narrator. Mm. Or if you did, certainly not to the degree you do now. So it was much more measured like in the movie. Yeah. And, of course, Charles, uh, who, uh, Charles Gray, who was in the movie, he played a great Bond villain, and it's great. Yeah, he was one of the great Bond villains with Sean Connery, and to, and to see him in that. And as far as I think Neil Nell said, he never saw the movie. No. He never saw the movie. So he, he never saw the movie he was in. Yeah, so, he so, shot all of his shot things his bits. separately yeah. Yeah. and never saw the movie, didn't go to the premiere or anything. And never saw the stage play. So he had really, you know, until he died, he had no idea what he was in. Was he well aware of what the whole movie was, or did he just film his scenes? Exactly. Yeah, he he did. I I suspect he had no idea. But why? I mean, I, I was okay. So I was. It's, it's like doing a voiceover in promo land. There, you, you you give the voiceover to the person. They do it. They don't know what bed you're going to do. You're going to put it together, and so that's that. true. But at least that. Uh, oh my god! It's. I was saying the other day when we were watching it that when he's up on the desk doing the time warp and he's is swinging his hips. You know, I, I thought, wow, actually, you're, pro- you're probably the strange one because you're doing this by yourself, very well-degreed in your office there. And he's probably not even working to a soundtrack. He was probably just directed to do that. They probably didn't even have a playback. So just, you know, hop on your desk, <laughs> yep. sweetie, oh, and just... Um, and, and then, it's just the song to the left. Just say that. and just say that And, and, and then they edited it in at the right time in the song, and away you go, yeah. But he's fantastic. Oh, he's fantastic. You know, he's dark and pendulous. That's what you need. Let's take this. What is the best way to enjoy this? Should one go to the movie to see it? Is it a drive-in movie? Is it one you get all your friends around for a wine and cheese night? I think well, I, I think, think it's, it's a, a friends thing. It's yeah. a communal experience, I think. But I think it's definitely a movie thing as well because the interactive experience of it is the way you should see it. Um, I've put my flag in the ground there for Damn It, Janet. What's everyone else's favourite song from the Rocky Horror Picture Show soundtrack? Okay, so as a kid, it was over at Frankenstein's Place. It is pretty good. It's got those dramatic drums. 
Yeah, I, I do love that song. I enjoyed pretending to be Susan Sarandon and singing it with a newspaper over my head. You had a more awkward way of pretending to be Susan Sarandon when you had that soundtrack as a kid. I know, like, having seen the movie so young, you, you know, I, I, I remember recommending it to somebody for um, her sleepover as the movie we should watch, and mm. her mum had no idea about the movie, and we were halfway through it, and her mum walked into the room and was just like, oh my god, this is filthy! And I was just like, no, it's not, because I was such a naive little kid that none of that stuff washed over me. I was I was Janet with the newspaper over her head in the in the full length dress. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, you should have, look, 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 Mum, have you seen Can't Stop the Music? This is nothing. This is nothing. <laughs> yeah, but as My I've Dixon Rocky, right? as I've gotten older, I've fallen completely in love with Hot Patootie. Okay, go yeah. figure. Yeah. I I do believe. Okay, you're not allowed to judge me for this. This is my my. But we will. You will. But when John Stamos did it for the Glee soundtrack, mm. it took on a whole different... Like, I, I hadn't quite listened to the lyrics. Meatloaf kind of... The, his pronunciation of some of the lyrics is a bit off and I still, even reading along with the lyric sheet as a kid, still wasn't quite sure what he was saying and whether the lyric sheet was correct. But when John Stamos did it in Glee, I was suddenly like, that's what he's saying! And it suddenly made a lot of sense. I like that you were reading the lyrics going, nah, can't be right. This yeah, it didn't sound right. This isn't grammatically correct. I'm appalled. I am not into this. Yes. Clearly a mistake. Call the, call the Cle- police. Clearly I was an odd child. No, I, I believe the, one of the continuity mistakes is in that, in that scene. There's quite a few. I think you can actually see some blood on the ice before mm. he's actually chopped from an earlier take. Yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of a lot of continuity errors with him riding the motorcycle around the walkway and bits and pieces like that. But I think that adds to the charm of the scene for me. Oh, it, it does look. You know, this this had a budget, but it wasn't a big one. Oh no! Oh gosh no! Okay, well, so you guys, it's up for the boys here with the songs. Uh, I think we've already made it clear that I am not an expert on this movie. Come on, and, you've seen uh, it three times now. At yeah, least. but, like, I don't particularly think I have favourite songs in this movie. Like, I enjoy the movie as a whole and I enjoy the experience, but I don't know if I well, have, like, standout songs. Week answer, frankly. <laughs> you, you, piss week! Piss week! You've got to come out there and plant your flag and say, for fuck's sake, Adam West was the best Batman. They did it on I, the moon, goddamn. Hey, in that argument, I, ha- I have a stance. Oh, you have a stance? In that, I do. But I'm the sort of person where if I'm not... If I don't have an opinion, I'm not going to, like, just choose one for the sake of it. Oh, okay. And I'm not going to, like, you know, cast a stone. Yeah, I'm not going to cast a stone if I don't really feel there's a need to throw. But Adam West is the best Batman. Oh, clearly. Yeah, clearly. Clearly. (laughs) Okay. Up to you, Moose Man. What, whether Adam West is the Batman? Well, he is. He is. He is obviously the Batman. I did love Michael Keaton, though. He was pretty good. Who was the real? Who was the? Who, was it Val Kilmer? Was the really George bad? Clooney? Clooney was, was the, the worst. Oh. Yeah. Or was he wooden? Now was Clooney worse because he was the wooden most wooden? Or was he had the nipples. Uh, that's true. But Clooney yeah, was the, bat, the most the wooden, nipples. but he also had the terrible. The yeah, he had the worst movie to be starring in. He had the most. Uh, the worst script. The so worst. So, 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 so was his the one was Poison Ivy with? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She, yeah. She, she was hot, but gotta oh, say. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That, well, and, if and we're judging movies on hotness, you know, it's. That's true. That's I true. Think the quote from the special features when I watched them, because I I have watched that movie a bit, it was I think Charles Schumacher was going, oh look, it was the, probably the, it was probably the the wrong move when Mattel said we'll design 
the character vehicles and the toys and the outfits, mm. you know, so we can get the toys right. We'll, we'll help with the designs, you know. It was a more... A sub- it, fuck. I mean, it's worked for Transformers. It, oh, no, I do not enjoy those well, movies. But I can hear you hedging here because you don't want to tell us what your favourite yeah, Rocky, Ho- Rocky, yeah, Rocky Horror Picture is. Which is exactly why I just said, fuck, because I keep going out. I, I honestly love There's a Light. I, I don't know why every time I yeah every time I hear there's a light of the Frankenstein place I just and a lot of people love it, it says a lot about the movie about the characters about what's going to happen uh, it's, so when that chorus kicks in no, that and Riffraff's Bridge yeah Riffraff's Bridge is just excellent yeah yeah totally. and, and, you know, and you just know that this isn't going to end well no. as I may have mentioned earlier you really shouldn't go to a castle to make a phone call in the middle of the night also one that has like a, a terrifying looking flag on top of it hello mm, that's true there yeah. were a lot of like uh, they were sort of they were sort of ignoring a lot of signs you know of what to expect there the motorcycles the motorcycles as somebody with a well established fear of the sound of motorcycles I can say that's just a giant foreboding thing you should never go anywhere that's got that many motorcycles parked what's Brad Lunt lies cheap to those sort is that his line Brad's line in there yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. So, but then again, they—it's uh, a bit like it, the whole movie is the journey of the innocents and uh, and oh, yeah. yeah, and losing their innocence, and and they end up on someone's lawn, rolling around wearing heels, and we've all been there. Um, at, oh. No, not yet. Anyway, for me, but that's right. You, you, but you carry the heels. I carry. Them. Yeah, that's fair enough. Oh, but it's, it's, it, it, that that is epitomised in the scene, the the two silhouetted scenes with the Brad and Janet's bedrooms and Rocky in them, like the identical scenes. And spoiler alert: they're brother and sister. What? Oh yeah. No. Oh yeah, riffraff and magenta. Riff yeah. And magenta. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you get right. So you two have been oh, oh, all right. So yeah. Oh, okay, right. They're from a different planet. Oh, that's I, true. I, that's I, true. I, Who am I to judge their rules? Yeah. That's biology could be different. That's a good, good point. Good point. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Clearly, Riff Raff had a lot going on other than that, you know. Yeah, there were some issues Nobody there. Nobody liked Riff Raff. <laughs> there there oh, were some issues. Yeah. Yeah, no one likes him. No one he likes never him. never liked me. <laughs> I see, I, I, I say there's a light of the Frankenstein place, but I, I, I love, um, I love Don't Dream It Be It in the end. It took me a while to get, mm. it took me a while to warm to that. And like you, I love Dammit Janet. I think that's a great you know song. You know another underrated song because it's not on the soundtrack? Um, you so, better wise up. Janet Waves. Yes. That's a great little ditty, but that, it doesn't appear on any of the soundtracks. That is it's a good so track. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's a fantastic track. And I'm sure that so, if that's remixed, you can hear Meatloaf in there too. Yeah. <laughs> mm. When Janet screams, it's just Meatloaf. And the... Um, I almost got in enormous trouble on Triple J when Meatloaf was touring. I, I found out his real name rang up his hotel room at, at five past six in the morning and asked for him and his wife answered the phone and put it across to him and I went, hey, 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 and man, did we get in trouble? His agent rang us, all these oh, people rang us. Man. Oh, man, well, yeah. that's what they get for booking it under his real name. Well, I would have thought that, you know, you don't put calls through to someone like that, that yeah, at, <laughs> at five past six in the morning to a rock star. I wouldn't have thought you would, because I was expecting it to go nowhere and then next thing, his room number's ringing. Yeah. Hmm. That is the entire issue of those commercial radio guys ring the <laughs> Kate and Wills in London, you oh, know? Yeah, but you know, but back then on Triple J we did actually didn't use any delay and we did it live. So yeah, that's I true. mean so that's yeah, true. So, and and they would have rec- pre recorded that yeah. and they would have edited that and so yes they, they they would have had a true choice whether to do that or not. At well, least that at least, is at least true. I was being stupid, so that was my <laughs> excuse. Yeah. Um I do oh my God, that's um 
I, I just thought of like two future podcast titles if you're ever to return. Um, and, I really and that's not completely clear at this point. I really got in trouble when with Maynard. I really got in trouble when and. Um, what was it? I, uh, what did you just say? I was just being. I was just being stupid. I was just being stupid. Yeah. that's right. I was just being stupid. Two incredibly good podcast titles. <laughs> wow, I'm just okay. Um, wow, I was okay. I was about to tell you about three different incidents in the toilets at the Horden Pavilion, but that, <laughs> but that will have to be in the. I was being stupid. Oh, I mean, look, the, there, there was a DJ in there. It was dark. I thought it was okay. And how many parties have you been to where there's been a DJ in the toilet? Not one. Well, uh, not you, performing anyway. Uh, no, no. They had a DJ in the in the toilet. It was great. Oh, the one the old Horden pad. Oh, it was pretty stinky. I gotta say though, it's gotta be more entertaining than just pumping music through the. No, pipes. no toilets. Toilets Not shouldn't have DJ. any music pumped through them. Well, we went well, to... you'd, well, it, it, well, you'd be really disgusted by Trough Man, then you don't know about Trough Man? No. What's Trough Man? Uh, that will have to be for another podcast, uh, I'm afraid. Have you ever been in a quiet toilet though? Well, yeah, but that, where, where was the place we went to the Washington gig recently? Vanguard? Oxford um, Art Factory? Girl from Ipanema? Oxford Art Factory. Oxford Art Factory. Okay. Oxford Art Factory. I, the, oh, the band, yeah. The, the toilets are sort of out there. And yeah. is, there a pers- is there a guard out there? No, there's not a guard. It's kind of weird, but, isn't it? Okay. It's like, oh, hang on, behind, can I please go to the toilet? Yeah. Behind oh, the, yes, the toilet, out. so you're sitting on the toilet and the wall behind you is a mirror... And then on either well, side the of the mirror... Place. That's where I prefer it, though. I don't want to watch myself while I'm well, on the no, toilet. no, but you walk into the toilet and you see yourself walking into the toilet. And on each side of the mirror are red fluorescent lights. So you've got this eerie red glow and you're sitting on the toilet with a mirror behind you with you just going, don't turn around. Have you ever seen the movie Preaching to the Perverted? No. Okay, it's a 90s latex film and it's not a rude... Well, it's a rude film, but it's not an X film. And uh, there's a lot of that in that. And it wouldn't surprise me if the person saw that movie and went, hey, that... Oh, yeah, we'll do that. As somebody who's prone to having panic attacks at gigs and hiding out in the toilets until I calm down, it was the worst possible toilet. Mm. Which is why I think the idea of a DJ in a toilet is also horrifying. I do think it's very telling that you came out and said you would have liked that toilet. Yeah, because you would have been like, hello, me. I can see me poop. But just think, people, that is selfie heaven for a lot of people. That's yeah. true. Yeah, I mean, how many, Long times, time how many times have I seen selfies of people with, with a crapper in the background? Yes. It's like, um, hang on, is, wasn't there somewhere else you could go? the opportune time? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly, really? yeah. Isn't there a Tumblr that's just composed of people who've taken selfies in the bathroom and you can see somebody on the toilet oh. behind them? I'm sure there is. There's <laughs> a, a Tumblr for everything. That's true. But that's straight a bit from Rocky Horror, but yes. still in a similar vein. Yes, that's true. And Moose wouldn't tell us his favourite song, but that's okay. because I it... did, I did. There's a light. Oh, okay, after much provoking. Well, I just kept getting distracted, which is very unlike me. Mm. Um, I don't, don't Dream It Be It is also great. I, oh. So here's a question, which might be a good one to wrap, on, wrap mm. up with. Rocky Horror Picture Show, a one-off kind of movie. Shock Treatment was a bit of a follow-up but not really the same. No. Um, but there were one or two good songs in it. Is there oh, another... Is, is amazing. Is there like, another movie like it? In terms of the, the it, it, interactability? Yeah, or interactability, just the appeal, following? songs. It's, you know, it's a bit like lightning in a bottle, isn't you know, it? For way? me, there's not, yeah. personally. Yeah. I, I know that there are other movies that people do callbacks and stuff to now, but I think it's trying to emulate what Rocky Horror kind of had naturally. Oh yeah! Look, look. The, the callbacks in the English patient are, are terrible. No, no, he, no. It's like no, he's not. 
hang on, you're married. He's stuff, got stuff no like fucking that. neck. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, you know, they're not very good. I mean, you know, I mean, once once you remind people that she's married and there's a, you know, there's a bit of a conflict going on, that movie's really over. Yeah. So, you know, if anyone knows any good callback movies, let us know. I mean, there's plenty of callback going on in Spice World and Can't Stop the Music. There's just people going, hey! I'm pretty impressed, though, that it's still an enduring movie in general, so much so that you did mention... Although I have call- to say, I pr- it would be very difficult for me to go see it on stage again. I really, I think it's like one of these movies and stage shows I've seen a lot of, and mm. I've probably seen it enough. Yeah. A, a little bit like the music of ABBA. I had to play that a lot for about 10, 15 years of my career. And although they are very talented and I still like them, there's certain songs that are jarring to me even to this day. Dancing, yeah. Dancer Queen, even though it starts with a chorus, and that's part of the reason it's so successful. Tim Friedman would agree with me on that. So, yeah. Tim Friedman? Yeah. Dancing Queen? Yeah. He, he'll, he'll tell you that dancing, one of the reasons Dancing Queen is successful is because it starts with the chorus. Just like uh, there's no aphrodisiac like loneliness. That's also true. That was a, wasn't that a George Martin rearrangement anyway? He decided to put the chorus first because he thought it went, it went into the song with a bang? Maybe. Uh, this is weird Beatles trivia now. This is coming from two, like, two guys here who are Beatles buffs and I'm not I mean, quite it, sure. It, it sounds it, right. It is possible, but as we know, my favourite Beatles song is You Know My Name, Look Up My Number. Yes, yeah. which I've always wanted to be sampled in a hip hop song. Just mm. that kind of that that rhythm with that piano. I want that to be a... closely followed by "Flying" on the Magical Mystery Tour soundtrack. <laughs> you are just being contrary. Uh, hang, hang, it's the only Beatles song that credits all of them as songwriters. "Flying," Mister Smarty Pants. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the only song that credits every single one of them. We've got to start calling Pointy Mister Smarty Pants now. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take that nickname. Uh, what I was going to mention for the record, my favorite Beatles song is "Hey Bulldog." That's off the same soundtrack. Different podcast. Great song, though. Oh, great song, though. Yeah, that's good. What were you going to ask, Miss? Which is completely off the topic of great song, though. Yeah, that is good. You mentioned the Glee soundtrack, the Rocky Horror Glee show. Ooh, I've got a problem with that because every time they do something, it, it's so... It's like a photocopy of a photocopy. It is, right. The problem with it is that, that they had to change the lyrics in order to do it for a for PG-rated G-rated show. Oh, right. Yeah. So and also a female sings Sweet Transvestite and the way she sings it with the lyric changes and stuff, it's so jarring. So here's my interjection. The way she sings it yeah, with lyric changes and everything is so jarring, but a holy crap, the band on that and her voice, it's really fucking spectacularly I'm done. I'm Mercedes fan. So oh, I, I love her voice. Her. The John Stamos version of Hot Patootie, brilliant, but I also think it's because it's John Stamos and not the regular Glee cast. As much as I've had my love-hate relationship with Glee and I have listened to the Rocky Horror Glee soundtrack a fair bit, that's the one song that I think stands up. That's the... Hold on. I'm that's still angry the, with Glee about their ripping off John Colton's version of I Like Bid Butts. I'll... They, they do that a lot. They they take a song that has already had a cover and they cover the cover. I, I believe um, the uh, phrase is they have form in that area. Um, not only... Mm, I should show it. Yes. Go they, on. They basically uh, sample the cover and sing over it. Yeah. And, and then it's uh, usually for the lawyers to argue that and there's usually an out-of-court settlement. That is what has happened in the past. Really? And it wouldn't surprise me if the reason Jonathan... Uh, Colton? Colton? Colton, yeah. It's, it's been quite about this. Is that he got an out-of-court settle about it. Because I remember I actually... Him, 
they might be giants and myself had a bit of a, a cross talk on Twitter once about this when it first happened because I thought that sounds exactly like him and there's yeah. and there was a, a SoundCloud where they ran the two together match <laughs> match the waveforms up and they look identical and they sound identical and it's and if they haven't actually used it which they might not have gone that far but they they sampled large bits of it and put it on there but they've done that before and we'll probably be sued for that so I hope splitting cases has deep pockets. We have very shallow pockets, but I have a deep love for John Stamos. Uh, Oh, my God, you do. The problem is, like, growing up, I was always a Full House fan. I was a perfect age for Full House. Um, And you know what? It's no Clarissa Explains at all. It's no Clarissa Explains at all. Uh, It's... it's, uh, La, 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 la. La, la, la. What a great theme. Whole nother podcast. A bit like flying by the Beatles. It's probably why I like it. <laughs> but he's a man who has aged incredibly well. I was all, like, if I look at myself now, I'd probably be the Uncle Joey rather than the Uncle Jesse. And he does no, have. Because you do silly voices. Yeah, but he has ridiculous hair in Full House. But you know what? He did marry Rebecca, and I love you nothing cutesy, but I'd marry Rebecca from Full House. You and your crushes. I've actually tweeted her since, and I I once tweeted something about John Stamos, and the John Stamos fan club started following me. I was like, oh, I don't know if that's when you realise you've got a problem. But anyway, good man, John Stamos. Look, yeah, look, uh, look, I think your man crush is uh, laudable. Yeah. <laughs> Very laudable. Good hair, that man. So uh, we are, there is no other movie like The Rock Hour Picture Show is what no. we've come up with. No. God, no. And it's something that the stars of that movie, at least, have following them around for a very long time. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. Maybe Little Shop of Horrors is a bit like it, but that doesn't have callbacks. No, does have that no, great dentist song, but... Does have the great dentist song, and I am a lover mm. of Little Shop of Horrors. Mm. But I, I, I would really love to go to my grave hearing science fiction double feature. I would, I would just that's like when you're dying, or like when they wheel your casket out. Hmm. Oh, oh, oh no, no, no! I've already decided that um, they will wheel my casket out to. We'll meet again. No, to the Golden Slumber Suite at the end of Abbey Road. I've nice, already decided nice. that. But everybody can walk into the funeral to science fiction double feature. This is why I like you. <laughs> well, I was going to say um, possibly the Lost Splitting Cases episode of um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. That sort of seems to be in a similar vibe. It's in a similar vibe. Again, it's something I've heard a lot of, but I've never actually seen it. I know what it's all about. Yeah, me too. I've never actually seen it. Yeah. yeah. Well, we tried to do an episode about Hedwig, and uh, we drank almost two bottles of Johnny Walker in about three hours, well, look, the, and it was not salvageable what we recorded. That sounds like, uh, that sounds like a Frank Sinatra recording session. You, <laughs> if you'd had Nelson Riddle, you could own two albums. I just really don't think we have the, the stomach of Sinatra, you know? Uh, how about, I'm just trying, um, is there callbacks to Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog? Oh, I like Dr. Horrible. Is there? Blog. I know it's des- it's not designed to be in the theatre, but I'm just wondering, is it? I don't know whether it's... Because it's, Rocky Horror is a cult movie while also being incredibly mainstream, yeah, true. being known by a lot good of people. Point. I think Dr. Horrible's is very, very cultish. Good point, nothing cutesy, good point. Mm. Well, I, I think we'll just have to say it's one of a kind 
And uh, if you'd like to hear the rest of my interview with Little Nell hey. and, and the cast and the woman who was the castle. Advertising. It's, uh, well, it, uh, I think it's called Shilling, I believe, is what it's known as. Uh, Shat, Shatner's very good the at it. Shinning. Yeah. Shilling. Yeah, at maynard.com.au or just Google Little Nell Maynard. And, uh, yeah, it's on the Maynard's Malaise uh, podcast, which is available on iTunes. Just put Maynard's Malaise into iTunes. It's available on Stitcher and also Downcast. And I, I'd like to thank you for having me along today. I've worn my fez and I, I've said lots of stupid things and talked about toilets i heartily endorse this event or product this is pretty much what this was made for <laughs> <laughs> and i am holding the festival video rental copy oh, right. you brought yes, along because, of know, the rocky horror picture some show. people are prop comics i'm a prop interviewee i brought along a rocky horror picture show vhs you tape keep tapping it and shaking it so that we so it's a VHS. Well, it's that real. It's not like sound. a download. It's real. Rewind that shit. Not only is it a VHS copy of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, it's a rental copy stolen from a uh, a, a shop. So, At know. least I bought my ex-rentals, Maynard. Yeah. Look, look, and there you go. I haven't rewinded. I've stopped it halfway hey. through. That's obviously freezed framed on uh, Little Nell's boob when she pops out of the pajamas. <laughs> I bet you that's what's on. And you it's mentioned tape, tape. But you mentioned the boob popping out of the pajamas. I noticed the boob popping out when they're doing the uh, when she's wearing the corset oh, at the end on yeah. stage. Yeah. It's like the Little Nell boobarama. Look, I bet you when they first started filming that, they stop, stop, and then eventually they just gave up because there's, <laughs> there's no way those tops were going to stay up. They they, they, nope. they were going south from the get go. And then they all jumped in the pool, and then it's just. Yeah. Yeah, free-for-all, nipples mm. everywhere. Why does Susan Sarandon not like that movie? It can't be purely because of the cold, right? Um, she's a very serious actress Because she's a bit highbrow, I, right? I think so, yeah. 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 But um, the success of this movie, surely she'd be somewhat proud. Yeah, well, I don't think she's probably making much money from this movie. Yeah, you don't well, have to yeah, make yeah, much money off yeah, something to be proud of it. I, I would say she was probably paid for it and that was it. Yeah. 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 Mm. I think it was early in her career. She's gone on to bigger and better things in terms of more prestigious movies, Oscar nominations, etc., um, but admittedly, as a kid, I was only a fan of hers and only watched movies she was in because she was in Rocky Horror. So she owes a lot of my watching her movies to that movie. Have you been reckless in a soft top large car off a cliff? I have not. Okay. I also think Brad Pitt looks like a monkey and not in an attractive Well, he was in a movie about He was in a movie about monkeys. To be fair. Yes, that's true. But I've never been a Brad Pitt lover, so... Not starring really. as the monkey. No. I do like Gina Davis, though, so... How's Gina Davis come about? Thelma and Louise. Oh, that's right. Mm. We're, t- we're doing a whole Thelma and Louise yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I, I was trying to say Thelma and Louise without doing Thelma and Louise. Yeah. Very Noam Chomsky of me, I thought. I had the signifier, but I didn't say the signifier. You did really well. It was just that Moosey hasn't Power seen Power and corruption. And and, uh, I've never seen Thelma and Louise, and when you mentioned Gina Davis, I think of that Family Guy quote where she's like, whatever happened to Gina Davis? When she smiled, there was a lot of gum. There's a lot of, a lot of tooth, a lot of gum. Don't say that about Gina Davis. The woman's a genius, a certified genius. Hey, and Seth MacFarlane did. I mean, certified in front of anything never sounds good, really. No, does it? Really. Well, I'm is it wrong that I prefer Andy McDowell? McDowell? You have a weird thing for Andy McDowell, though. Yeah, I do have a weird thing for Andy McDowell. Probably because she was in a movie with Michael Keaton and Michael Keaton's Batman. And Beetlejuice. Batman. Mm. On that note. Yeah, on that note, I'll have to, I can't keep up with you guys. You, 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 <laughs> you, you, you're throwing too many memes out there. I don't even know if any of this is a meme, but a uh, good place to end. Mm. I think we found out where we can find you. Pointy, where can we find us? Splittingcases.com. All your Splitting Cases needs found there. And can I just say, I was just looking at my list of podcasts here and uh, look where Splitting... There, look, there's Splitting Cases. It's between 
the smartest man in the world, then the social hour, splitting cases, and then stuff you missed in history class. Hey! That's, that's where you sit in my podcast. I love stuff you missed in history class. Yeah. Well, well, maybe this is a nice little tangent just to end the episode on. Um, you guys might have noticed I wore my uh, Walking the Room t-shirt tonight. Nice. And for those that uh, don't know, Walking the Room uh, was a podcast with uh, Dave Anthony and Greg Barrett that just ended in the States. And uh, if you haven't heard it, it's a, it's a great podcast and it's uh, pretty emotional. It's about two guys that were pretty much uh, maybe not in the best place in their careers and they started the podcast and now they're both doing much better than they were. So I totally recommend checking that out. But uh, what other podcasts are, are you guys listening to? Well, yeah. <laughs> let's just open this here because a lot of people come, look, and I, you can keep this in or not if you like. A lot of people come and say, where do you hear your music? Where do you get this from? Stuff all the time because I don't, I don't watch TV anymore. I've stopped watching TV. Um, because I mainly listen to podcasts all the time. I've got 65 I listen to on a weekly basis. Um, and they range from sceptical podcasts uh, like the Geologic podcast with George Arab, comedy podcasts like Friday Night Comedy from the BBC4, um, interview shows like Gilbert Gottfried's amazing col- oh. colossal podcast. Oh, There's a voice to hear on now, podcasts. Now, now Gilbert is an acquired taste. I will give you that. The only thing I can stand him in is Aladdin because he's voicing a parrot. Okay. Yes. That's it. That's, That's it true. But here's a list of some of the people he's interviewed recently. Larry Storch, who was Cap Agarn in F Troop. He's 91 now. He interviewed Whoa. him. Brad Storch. He's still alive. Um, Penn Gillette. Barbara Felden, 99, from um, Get Smart. Wow. Adam, A 90-minute interview with Adam West in which Adam he, West. he covered everything about Adam West. Weird Al Yankovic, it's the only X-rated interview I've ever heard with Weird Al Yankovic. Gilbert Gottfried and Adam West. That's right. Adam yeah, stuff like Yeah, exactly. And Adam's on the phone and he asks him questions like, so did, did the Joker like having people cut up oranges and throw them at him while he was naked? <laughs> and, and all Adam West could say, well, he never asked me to throw any oranges at him. <laughs> That's all he could say. I, I just imagine that in Adam West was well. I, uh... yeah, yeah, yeah. There was the long pause and he asked him about uh, Adam West and uh, Frank Gorsham who played the Riddler uh, being thrown out of an all Hollywood orgy and Adam West said, well, I've got to be careful because my wife's in the room. He said, but uh, yes, we did. We were actually filming that day an episode of Batman in 1966 and we went to this party which turned out to be orgy, an orgy and all these people were having sex so we went into our characters and I was going, well, what do you think of this, Riddler? And he was going, well, I don't know about this. But, and they were asked to leave. <laughs> so we were the only people in the 60s that were asked to leave an orgy <laughs> in Hollywood. The original nerds. Yeah. Yes. Very funny. Yeah, they were yeah. referencing their own characters but I, I think that's pretty funny. So that's definitely worth a list. Gilbert Gottfried's uh, amazing colossal podcast interviewing Adam West. It's piss funny. Nice. Quickly back to Rocky Horror, not really via the Muppets. I think the first thing, just because I'm thinking of it, sorry. Windmills of my mind. Are you obviously asking me what my favourite Muppet one is? It's Windmills of my mind. Where they do that, that, they do that very slow. There's a slow version of Windmills of my mind, and theirs is a really, really fast version. And this guy's strapped to the windmill, and in the end, the windmill gives gives way and he takes off. It's obviously what I'm asking you. That's obviously, yeah, Windmills of my mind. (laughs) Tim Curry, Muppets Treasure Island. First thing I saw that guy in properly. Well, well, knowingly remembering that because, of course, I'd seen him in Home Alone too, and maybe a few other things. Uh, I'd seen the back of him in the first five minutes of Rocky Horror, 
But knowing who he was, I think the first thing was Muppet Treasure Island. He's not that great in Times Square, but he is very enigmatic. That was a follow-up to Saturday Night Fever in, in a sort of kind of way. But uh, you're denying the work of the great Muppet Caper. How can, you, how can you possibly deny the work of the great Muppet Caper? Tim Curry was in the great Muppet Caper? Well, no, but it was a pretty good movie. I was never denying things Tim Curry weren't in. <laughs> mm, yeah, I think, um, yeah, that's right. My logic was a bit circular there. Sorry about that. That's right. My grammar wasn't that great. What's well, not good? I think, anyway. we should, I think we should quit now while we're way behind. Well, <laughs> I was going to say, are we ahead? Let's get your favourite podcasts. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's got to be mine. Splitting cases. Oh, come on. Other than that, the one I listen to most regularly has got to be The Nerdist. Yeah. Yeah, Miss and I both listen to The Nerdist. Gotta say, I've gone off The Nerdist a bit lately. Uh, they kind of peaked with having Tom Cruise on. Oh, that episode Arnie. was super interesting. Arnie. Oh, no, no, that was a great... Uh, yeah, no, Arnie was before the Tom Cruise. Yeah, one. yeah. but that, that, for me, that was the peak. I've only listened to about two Nerdists. I've listened to the Joss Whedon one. And the Ben Folds one. Well, the and, reason I enjoy the nurse because he's a fanboy like me. He's like just a real fanboy kind really of. That's true. He's I'm annoying, not, and I'm, I'm annoying. Why, but I liken the nurse to WTF, and I just think Marin's just fucking. Yeah, this is already a WTF. Yeah. And the latest interview with uh, Paul Rubens or recently uh, mm, Pee Wee Herman. Up on that I haven't that, got up on that. That's either. pretty good, and it shows. It's uh, it's one of the. I, I have not heard a long-form interview with Paul Rubens. No. And it is really good. And he, men- he mentions about the arrest just briefly and alludes to it and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Notice does pull out a few guests that you would have never heard long-form interviews with. Oh, exactly. I mean, uh, I, look, he, he, and same with Gilbert Godfrey. That's why, like, he goes yeah. for a long time and he goes to their flat and that sort of stuff. And it's like, man, the access these people must have for a podcast. Well, it's like the, the Alec Baldwin podcast, Here's the Thing, and oh, the episode yeah. he does with Billy Joel because yeah. clearly the, the, they're mates yeah. mm. and Billy Joel talks to him in a way he d- wouldn't normally talk in yes. an interview and it's mm. fantastic. Yeah, that, and he's, he's, he's got the piano there with him as well, doesn't he? And he plays a few little bits. I, that... I think he stuffs around a yeah. little bit. But, yeah, no, the Nerdist is definitely one I listen to. At the moment, I'm oscillating between the Joy the Baker podcast, Savage Love podcast, the Whorecast, which I would highly recommend to everybody because it's amazing. Susie Q, who is a sex worker, hosts this podcast where she talks to other sex workers. Australian Susie Q? No. Oh, okay, sorry. No, 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 different Susie Q because I got confused the Mm. first time I heard it. I was like, what? Yeah, Um, because the Australian Susie Q, she won Australia's Best Body two years in a row. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think this Susie Q may have even gotten her name from there, but it's her porn name or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not a very good porn name, I mean, you know, I mean, you could, I, gee, you think you, I think a better one would be better. Well, she, she's yeah. very um, 1950s pin-up looking, oh, so I see. think that's where it's come from. And I've been but, um, in your house for hours and no one's put a Betty Page video on. <laughs> <laughs> you complaining? It's not, this is not the sort of house I usually visit. <laughs> <laughs> Did I mention the toilet? Oh, yeah, there go. Anyway, yeah, um, the Hawkeye Sister podcast, Winter is Coming on Your Face in which Susie Q and um, one of her mates who's also from the sex industry talk about Game of Thrones in a very nerdy way. But, but that title's cute. at the end of every other episode. It's like, uh, how to make dinner for three, on your face. <laughs> going, going to the bus stop, on your face. That's it's splitting cases, on your face. Yeah, exactly. Winter is coming, on your face. It's the perfect <laughs> name for sex workers doing a Game of Thrones podcast. It's the whole in my pants thing. Yeah, and also my latest favourite is um, Love, Death and Money, I think it's called, with Anna Sales. Um, it is absolutely amazing. There is a fantastic interview on there with um, Chaz Ebert, Roger Ebert's widow, 
and it's just fantastic. She talks about the fact that even though he's gone, she still feels his spirit there and she talks to him a lot and how she coped with his death and how at, while he was sick, they almost became the one person because she was doing so much for him and talking mm. for him and doing everything. And then once he started getting better, she started feeling like, oh, I'm losing a part of myself because I'm not mm. having to be half him anymore. It's really a really fascinating interview. Wow. But, yeah, I love podcasts. Now, speaking of death, um, I unfortunately attended the funeral of a 100-year-old lady yes. uh, uh, t- oh, t- two weeks ago who, yes. who I had the great pleasure to uh, – yeah, I went to a funeral uh, and I cried. And yeah. it's kind of weird because it's like she was 100, so, you know, you can't really expect to live a lot longer than that. So it was sad naturally because someone's died, but it was also a celebration because she was born before the First World War broke yeah. out, yeah. Uh, um, which is pretty amazing. And I got to interview her three times or four times for the radio and I probably met her a dozen times and she was lovely. And – it, uh, yeah, it's just, um, and she was just fine. It was, something happens when people go into a home sometimes, you know? It, it really, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's interesting, though, the reactions to Gough Whitlam passing as well. It's like he lived quite a long and amazing life. and there. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, Tim Ferguson, who Bunga Bunga with, he, uh, sometimes he had the same uh, wheelchair cab driver that used to drive Goff around. Yeah. Oh, and, he awesome. said, and he said sometimes uh, uh, Goff would um, just, for no apparent reason, just say things from his favourite speech, like, he's not a country member, or, or you know, <laughs> like, well, may they say, he'd just, he'd just say one lines like that every once in a while, you know, in the last year or so when he was driving him around. Oh. And, and, you know, and, and it was hard to tell if he was doing it for a bit of a gag or yeah. what, but, but, you know, it's still funny. That's I like to think he was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. What was that? I'm not a man. Great. <laughs> he started doing a bit of a speech. But nothing will say yeah. so Governor General just yeah. randomly from the back of a cab. Mm. You've got to think if you were that particular age, though, you wouldn't mind messing with people. And if it was certainly a conscious would. decision, uh, good I on you, Goff. Yeah. I've always been planning on being an old lady who like has a walking stick and hits small children with it. And then, like... Oh, big ha- children, too. Well, big children, too. Lots <laughs> so of just pick up little kids. Who pick hits people with their stick and then has, like, my son or daughter explaining to people, sorry, she's a bit senile, even though I'm completely doing it on purpose. You know, I don't know how podcasts will be recorded or distributed in 60-ish years, but... Uh, straight into people's minds. Well, uh, when we're doing one and she walks up behind you pointy and whacks you over the oh, head. It's pointy. It's only people I don't like. I was going to say at least she's got a justification. No, no, I won't hit pointy unless he, like, decides to start parking badly or something and then I have a reason to. I mean, I can barely drive, let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, but your parking is very careful. I admire your parking okay. technique. I don't even know when the last time we mentioned Rocky Horror was, but don't dream it. End it. That's right, and I'm I'm going to have to go to the bathroom to find out what it's like in this place. <laughs> and let me tell you, after this podcast, I hope there's a DJ I, in there. I'm expecting and... a lot. <laughs> Splitting cases. Psst. This is a post-splitting cases addendum. I'm not even sure what the word addendum means, but I think it means something that you put on after the thing that is the main thing, right? Yes. That is Nothing Cutesy, who I do spend quite a bit of my time with. And we went to celebrate her birthday by going to an October 31st Halloween screening of Rocky Horror, which, of course, is her expert subject with Maynard on the podcast you just heard. Just clarifying, I wasn't born on October 31st. So no. I'm a Halloween baby. Don't, don't be worried. 
you're not a Halloween baby, but uh, it does coincide nearish that time of year. Yes. And the reason you're just hearing two of us now is because Pointy unfortunately did not make the screening. But though he missed out on one hell of a Rocky Horror screening, he has been to a few of them in the past couple of years. That's true, and he has experience going to them with Moose and myself, so he knows exactly what he, he would have been in for, and I'm sure he was at home convalescing and imagining what it would have been like. What does convalescing mean? Like getting better. So not an addendum? Not an addendum, no. He was addending at home. No, I don't think you can addend at home unless you're adding something. I guess you could addend. I don't know. Is addend a verb? I don't know. Is that like adding an extension onto your home? I'm, <laughs> I'm addending, addending my home. I'm addending a room onto my house. I digress. I addend. Um, did, did I just addend? No. no. You, you did digress, though. I did digress. Okay, I digressed. Um, it's a frequent feature of the Splitting Cases podcast. But uh, we did experience Rocky Horror Screening, which is, an, as we talked about in the podcast, an incredibly different thing to seeing it at home. And you did have quite a few people coming with you for your birthday, some who had seen it, some who hadn't. How would you rate the experience, having been four times in a row now? Oh, I think it's more fun each time, though. It, it's interesting when the movie first starts, you wonder how many other people there are in the audience who have things they shout out because even though there's a general script, I guess you'd call it, for audience participation, it changes no matter where you go. Mm. And also there's things like when Betty throws her bouquet at the beginning, one of the things I've learnt to yell at is, who's got the clap? And then when Janet catches the bouquet, she goes, I've got it, I've got it! (laughs) And as I yelled it out tonight and there was just silence in the theatre, I thought, yeah, I guess that's a bit of a dated reference. Yeah. I should probably, next time I see it, update it. But somebody did yell out um, a hashtag joke later in the movie, which yeah. went down very well. So it's interesting. Every time you go, like, some people will just yell out things because they get into the spirit of it and they're not yeah. sure what to yell out, so they'll just join in. Other people will actually know some things. There were some people in the front row who did know a few different things, but things that I don't yell out because I, I do pick and choose the ones I enjoy the most. One that went down incredibly well that I've never heard is when uh, Frank kills Eddie and he walks back out and there's a split second of silence. Somebody yelled, anyone for meatloaf? I'm not sure whether that's an official one or not. I don't think so, but that was brilliant. That was so good. Also, Moose got a few laughs with every time the criminologist was on screen yelling out, where's his effing neck? He's got no fucking neck. Am I allowed to say that on the podcast? You're allowed to say that. Oh, there you go. He's got no fucking neck. Yeah. Which is a new one of mine, and I do love to swear, and I do love to and yell stuff. you have stuff, the perfect so. voice for it. You, you're very good at, at throwing your voice towards the front of the room, and everybody yeah. can hear it. Just sort of unbridled yelling. Is unbridled the right word? Yeah, that's definitely the right description yeah. for you. I digress here, but... <laughs> again! Um, again, does a bridle have something to do with a horse? Yes. What is it? What is un- unbridled? Well, like taking the saddle off a horse. Yes. That's what my voice yeah. is like. yeah. This listening to me yell is like taking the saddle off a horse. Sure. But there's a whole heap of other ones, um, mm-hmm. like when he writes the love heart on the church door. It's like, what, only assholes? Only write? assholes write on church doors. Yeah. That's one of my favourites. And my favourite is the one where, uh, um, um, is it Columbia gets shot at the end? Yes. Um, it's a blink and a twitch. First one to scream gets it in the tits. 
Yeah. But my voice was going on me by that time, so I'm not sure whether I'd powered across the, the cinema the way I would have liked to. But the audience participation tonight in particular was excellent. I was saying before we went that not every time people stand up and dance to the time warp, and a whole heap of people did tonight. That's true. And also, I think if it was just a callback kind of thing, people wouldn't be as into it as they are being able to throw things. <laughs> I honestly think, especially for Rocky Horror Virgins... It's totally a throwing things element. Oh, at, yeah. le- at least two people that came in our group were there just to be able to throw things in a cinema. Well, you throw the rice, you throw the toast, you throw toilet paper, mm. you pop a party popper which uh, well, explodes that's streamers. Just, that's just meant to be a noisemaker. Yeah, and you got to wave the glow sticks. There wasn't as much water as there usually is in no. the rain scene. No, we no, didn't get normally any of the our staff own. stand up the back and squirt us, but... Um, there wasn't any that time around. Hmm. All right, cool. So uh, I, I'm sad for Pointy not being there. Poor Pointy. Poor Pointy. We love you, Pointy. We hope you get better. We love you, Pointy. I would have filled your hair and the back of your shirt with popcorn should you have been there because well, everyone's... Probably through. a good thing you missed it then, Pointy. He's seen it all before. It was great when it all began. I was a regular Pointy fan. Yes. <laughs> I think this is just devolving into something insane now. I digress. You that that should be a, a segment of your podcast. Moose, Moose digresses. digresses. Just... <laughs> 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 <laughs>